Welcome, prospective homeowners. This is Superstitions, a Spotify original from Parcast. My name is Alastair Murden. This show is sort of like an open house. I introduce you to a superstition and lead you through it from top to bottom. That doesn't mean you have to buy it. Just listen to the stories we tell with an open mind. Oh, and watch yourself on the staircase. I haven't counted the number of steps yet. Today, we're digging into another peculiar home superstition. This time, a tradition belonging to home sellers and real estate agents. Before a house goes on the market, many realtors bury a special talisman in the yard. A simple religious icon. A small plastic statue of Saint Joseph. Real estate agents swear that the patron saint of workers will help them sell the building. But what happens if it is removed from the property? In today's story, an ambitious real estate agent learns the power of Saint Joseph and the dangers they risk without his protection. You can find episodes of Superstitions and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. Coming up, the story of a different kind of haunted house. It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like... What the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. Gabby Savidra yawned as she looked up at the luxury brownstone. She'd seen countless like it in the upscale Back Bay neighborhood of Boston. The 30-year-old with a streak of red in her hair had been producing real estate shows for close to five years, and she was already bored. She was tired of all the condos, mansions, mid-century moderns, and townhomes. Even this one, with its bright blue flower beds and picturesque brick exterior, did little to impress. It all just felt like a chore. The Real Estate Network had sent Gabby to the East Coast to produce a few episodes for their ongoing series, Open House Masters, about real estate agents trying to sell houses as quickly as possible. She hoped if she could get through it, she might finally be promoted to network executive and have a normal desk job. If not, she would quit. Either way, she assured herself this would be her last job in the field. Gabby's secret plan was interrupted by the voice of her cameraman. Who's the lucky agent today? He asked. The young man checking their equipment had a tattoo of a vintage Leica camera on his neck. He couldn't be more than a year out of film school from the look of him. Gabby barely looked up. Whatever your name is, just focus on getting the shot, okay? It was a good question, Gabby granted, but she wasn't going to give him credit. Instead, she peeked at her clipboard. The real estate agent was some guy named Vincent Burrell, one of the top 10 sellers in New England. She pictured a middle-aged guy in a department store suit, too much cologne and probably an hour late. As soon as this thought crossed her mind, a sleek SUV pulled up in front of the brownstone. Out stepped a handsome young man, barely 25 years old, with slicked back hair. 
He wore a slim-cut suit with tiny hand-sewn stitches on the lapels that seemed to indicate it was crafted by an old Italian man. Gabby rolled her eyes. Not one of these guys, she thought. They were almost worse than the middle-aged cologne-soaked realtors. These dudes all seemed to think they were real estate moguls. Gabby had dealt with so many during her career, she could predict their behavior with almost pinpoint accuracy. He'll probably stare at my chest and be on his phone the whole time, she thought. But instead, the guy made unwavering eye contact as he approached. He held one of those cardboard coffee carriers. Gabby? He asked. Pleasure to finally meet you. He handed her a tall cup. Hope you like Americanos. Th thank you. Gabby stammered. They're my favorite. Vincent then turned to the cameraman. Got you one too. It's Deshaun, right? Deshaun looked around like someone was playing a prank on him. You know my name? Vincent shrugged. I like to be prepared. Gabby's momentary feeling of specialness evaporated. She scowled at her cameraman. Well, Deshaun, is your camera even on? With introductions out of the way, Gabby got down to business. She outlined their seven-day shoot. It couldn't go a day over since she had a hard deadline to be back in California. Her goal was to document Vincent setting up for the open house and follow him through the sale. When she was done, Vincent clapped his hands together. Don't worry, I'll have you out of here in two days, Max. And I want to thank you for this opportunity. I hope I can prove to you that I'm the best and that I should have my own real estate show. Gabby scoffed. The network does a hundred of these shows a year. Every agent wants their own series. This comment didn't seem to bother Vincent, who went right into giving them a tour of the home. He showed Gabby and Deshaun its natural curb appeal, the beautiful flower beds and neighbors walking dogs. It looked like a postcard of Boston. Inside, he ushered in a team of professional furniture stagers. They followed Vincent around the house, placing replica Eames recliners and Noguchi coffee tables where he instructed. When it was done, Gabby was impressed. The house looked, well, perfect. Vincent's promise of two days no longer seemed like such a bold boast, but as she shook Vincent's hand, she realized he missed something. What about the statue of St. Joseph? She asked. Vincent shook his head. Nah, I don't use those. Deshaun took the camera off his shoulder. What are you guys talking about? Vincent explained that sometime in the Middle Ages, a group of nuns wanted to build their own convent. They supposedly buried a medal of St. Joseph, the patron saint of workers, to help them. Since then, realtors had been using statues of the saint as a lucky charm. But I don't need luck or divine intervention to sell homes, he added. I rely on skill. Gabby shook her head. Well, our audience likes to see it. It tests well with our demo, so... Vincent rolled his eyes. I might have one in the car. After a moment, he returned with a cheap plastic statue of Joseph, depicted as a bearded man with an axe at his feet and a jug in his hand. Vincent bent down by the bright blue hydrangeas at the sidewalk and buried it in the soft soil. There, he said, for the audience. Then he shook Gabby's hand. I'll be in touch in a day or so. Four days later, Gabby hadn't heard from Vincent. She started to get worried that they wouldn't wrap in time. Real estate agents were all the same. 
She fumed while dialing his number. When Vincent answered, Gabby went nuclear. Vincent, you said two days. What's going on? We have a deadline. Vincent's voice seemed tight and nervous. Sorry for not calling sooner. There seems to be a problem with the brownstone. Can you meet me there in an hour? This time, when Vincent arrived, he greeted Gabby and Deshaun with a box of pastries from his favorite Italian bakery. Even though Gabby was upset that this home sale was taking so long, Vincent was starting to grow on her. He seemed genuinely friendly and cared about the home he was selling. With a mouth full of cannoli, Gabby asked Vincent what was wrong. He confessed that no one had expressed interest in the open house. No emails, no calls, not even a text. He had never seen this happen before in his career. So he wanted to check out the property again. Maybe he had missed something. Vincent unlocked the front door and led them inside. It looked like a photo spread straight out of an architectural magazine. He opened his laptop and checked it against the property's online real estate listing. Gabby agreed they were perfect. Vincent shook his head. I don't understand what's wrong. Just then, they heard a voice outside. It was Deshaun, and he sounded troubled. They rushed over. In the flowerbed where Vincent had buried St. Joseph, there was a shallow hole. The statue was gone. Gabby combed through the hydrangeas. It must be here, she said. Vincent shrugged. Nobody knew it was here except us. Deshaun stepped back, his face ashen. Maybe it walked away? Both Vincent and Gabby turned to him. Gabby's face dripped with disdain. Brushing past the preposterous suggestion, they suggested they bury another one. She only had three days left to film the episode. They couldn't take any chances. Vincent assured her it wasn't necessary. The statue wasn't to blame. Maybe the real estate website had been slow in uploading their ad, but he offered to bury another just in case. This time, he buried it deeper and packed the earth around it. No one will touch this one, but it won't matter. We'll have a buyer in no time. As promised, later that day, Vincent got a lead. A young couple wanted to check out the brownstone. It wasn't the crowded open house he'd hoped for, but he didn't need a feeding frenzy to make a sale. He prided himself on being able to close anyone at any time. So, he set the appointment for later that day and told Gabby and Deshaun to meet him there. When the couple arrived, Vincent greeted them out front. Welcome to your new home, he said grandly. Then he gave them a tour. Gabby watched him with awe. She had seen real estate agents before, but Vincent was different. He wasn't trying to sell them a home. He was describing their lives and how the house was just a necessary part of it. When Vincent was done with the tour, the couple asked if they could have a moment to think it over. They were trying to hold back their enthusiasm, but it was written all over their faces. They were going to buy it, no question. Vincent told them to take all the time they wanted. Deshaun turned off the camera in shock. Vincent, that was amazing, he said. Gabby tempered her excitement but agreed. She opened her mouth to congratulate him, but before she could say a word, the young couple hurried past them. The husband looked pale as a sheet. We 
we've decided to pass, he stammered. They rushed out of the house and down the front steps. At first, Vincent thought they might be playing a joke on him, but then he realized they were serious. He chased after them. Kevin! Marie! What's wrong? The basement! Is all they could say as they climbed into their electric car and sped away with a high-pitched buzz. When Vincent returned inside the home, Gabby and Deshaun were in shock. What the heck just happened? Gabby asked. Vincent beelined past them. I'll be right back, he said over his shoulder. Gabby waited in the kitchen with Deshaun. And waited. And waited. When Vincent didn't return, she started to get concerned. It's been 15 minutes, she said. Should we check on him? Deshaun eyed her warily. Ladies first? They walked to the basement entrance. The house may have been immaculate, but the basement was still creepy. Perfectly refurbished steps leading down to a cold stone chamber. Camera directed at her back, Gabby led the way down the stairs. Vincent? She called out. Where are you? The stairs protested beneath her feet with every step. As she descended, it felt like she passed through an invisible barrier of icy air. But that sort of thing was to be expected in Boston basements, right? Not a deal-breaker by any means. Then, all of a sudden, the lights went out. Gabby felt something grab her arm. She screamed. Up next, our real estate agent has a crisis of faith. Hi, it's Carter from ParCast Network. The Vatican is one of the most recognizable religious sites in the world, but it's also a powerful institution, its unique history full of secrecy. This Easter, my show Conspiracy Theories looks deep into the church's past to uncover how it became what it is today. Starting April 5th, our new four-part miniseries, Mysteries of the Vatican, dives in to examine some of the most prominent conspiracy theories surrounding this mysterious organization. From the church's sordid rise to power, to prophetic visions, and even assassination attempts. Follow the Spotify original from ParCast, Conspiracy Theories, to hear Mysteries of the Vatican. New episodes air every Monday and Wednesday, free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, back to the story. Trapped in the darkness, Gabby was seized by panic. She screamed at the top of her lungs, not knowing if anyone would hear her. Whatever had grabbed her from the darkness only tightened its grip. Suddenly, the lights flicked back on. Vincent, the real estate agent, was holding onto her. Behind her, Deshaun looked sheepish, his elbow right next to the light switch. Gabby swatted her cameraman. Deshaun, you scared the heck out of me. Then she turned on Vincent. You too. You said you'd be right back. Vincent shushed her. Listen, he whispered. I heard something a minute ago, but I'm not sure. The trio stood silently. All they could hear were standard basement sounds. The hum of a furnace, the click of hot water pipes. But then, a faint sound drifted into the room. 
It had been a long time since Gabby had gone to church, but it sounded like a hymn of some kind. There was a chorus of spectral voices accompanied by an old organ. At first, it sounded like it was above them, then behind them, like ghostly surround sound. Goosebumps spread along Gabby's arms. Uh, are you guys hearing that? Vincent nodded. Deshaun was too scared to answer, but the look on his face was unmistakable. The house was haunted. After a moment, the hymn disappeared. What was that? Deshaun asked. Before anyone could answer, the hymn returned, this time stronger. Gabby whispered through clenched teeth, Guys, this is creeping me out. Deshaun and Vincent were already one step ahead. They bolted up the stairs. Back in the kitchen, the trio regrouped. They were breathing hard. They could no longer hear the ethereal music, but it echoed in their heads. Gabby and Vincent reasoned through various scenarios. They'd all heard it, which ruled out a hallucination. Perhaps one of the workers was still in the building playing creepy music for some reason. They checked upstairs. They looked in the bedrooms, closets, and under the beds. When everything was cleared, they looked at each other. We really heard it, right? Deshaun scratched his head. Could it have come from a neighbor? Vincent was doubtful. The walls were several feet of brick and stone, but they checked with the neighbors anyway. None of them had heard anything. On the way back to the brownstone, Deshaun noticed something. His voice trembled. Guys, um, it's gone again. Vincent and Gabby rushed over to the flower bed. Deshaun pointed to the open hole in the ground. Vincent dove to the ground and started digging maniacally. After a minute, most of the hydrangea stalks had been pulled up. There was dirt strewn across the sidewalk. Vincent slumped. It's gone. Deshaun swallowed hard. I told you, it's disappearing on its own. Vincent shook his head violently. No, it's not. Then he turned on Gabby with wild eyes. She's doing this. Gabby recoiled. I've been accused of many things, she said, but never sabotaging an episode of television. I'm the one that wants to get out of here, remember? I need to be back in Los Angeles in three days. Maybe you're stealing them to take the spotlight off the fact that you haven't sold the house. Vincent sighed. She was right. It couldn't be her. They turned to Deshaun, but the look of genuine horror on the cameraman's eyes couldn't have been faked. Vincent grabbed two more statues from the car. He held them up defiantly. Whoever's doing this won't think I'm crazy enough to bury two. Good plan, said Gabby. Deshaun nodded in agreement. Should we check back in tomorrow morning? Vincent buried the statues in distant parts of the flower bed, then combed his dirty hands through his gelled hair like a madman. You think I'm leaving? <laughs> oh no, I'm staying here tonight. I'm gonna get to the bottom of this. Gabby put her hand on his shoulder. Vincent, it's okay. Maybe we should all take a break. We'll postpone the episode. I'll come back another time. We'll film another house. Vincent brushed it off. I'm not giving up, he said. I've never not sold a house. Gabby sighed. She could tell he wasn't going to back down. Fine. Then I'm staying too. 
She looked to Deshaun, whose eyes were still brimming with fear, but he nodded reluctantly. If they were doing it, he would too. They agreed to meet back at the brownstone in an hour. When the team arrived back at the house, Vincent was armed with sleeping bags and coffee. Gabby brought sandwiches and snacks. Deshaun was in charge of flashlights and beer, and his camera, of course. The trio set up camp in the entryway so they'd have a view of the flower bed throughout the night. They laid out a plan to sleep in shifts so someone would always be ready to catch the perpetrator or witness a miracle. But as the night dragged on, none of them could sleep. They were too wired on caffeine and adrenaline. For a time, they played cards. During a particularly slow hand, Gabby turned to Vincent. Tell us the truth. Why don't you really like using St. Joseph statues? Vincent took a swig of beer. One of my earliest memories was of my parents trying to sell their first house. We had to move for my dad's job, but the house didn't sell, so they were stuck paying two mortgages. At some point, they turned to St. Joseph. They buried a statue in the front yard. The house still didn't sell. They tried everything, replanting it in the backyard, the side yard, you name it. It almost destroyed them, certainly decimated the property value of the place. That's when I decided to go into real estate. I never wanted another family to go through that. Gabby smiled at him. Thanks, she said. Vincent cocked his head at her. Thanks for what? Gabby stared into her bottle of beer. I filmed hundreds of these episodes before, and I've never met someone who genuinely loved his job. So thanks for reminding me that that passion still exists. Vincent awoke to a shaft of morning sunlight blasting his face. Deshaun had fallen asleep next to him. Gabby's legs were draped across him. Soon the others woke and rubbed their eyes. They had all fallen asleep too early. They followed Vincent outside. Before they even descended the front stairs, they could see. The flower beds had new holes. The statues were gone. Vincent threw his hands in the air. I give up. Gabby and Deshaun kicked the railing and cursed the flower beds. How could they have missed the thief? Or perhaps the miraculous exodus of St. Joseph? But as they were despairing, Vincent noticed something. A couple buildings over was a for sale sign with a sold sticker stamped over it. That wasn't there yesterday, right? He asked. Gabby and Deshaun hadn't noticed it either. So the trio went to investigate. It looked like their brownstone, but shabbier. There were no flower beds. In fact, the tiny front yard was barren of any plants, and it was pockmarked with holes. Vincent shook his head. I don't understand. This place is a dump. That's when Gabby noticed something. Sticking out of one of the holes was a sliver of plastic. Look, she whispered. She and Vincent knelt down and started digging. There, they found buried toys, keychains, various trinkets, but more importantly, four statues of St. Joseph caked in mud and dirt. Just then, they heard barking inside. Gabby and Vincent shared a look of exhausted relief. They had found the culprit. Seconds later, a shaggy dog burst from the front door. 
A middle-aged woman followed, trying to hold on to its leash. She noticed Gabby and Vincent on their hands and knees in her yard with Deshaun filming them. Can I help you? She asked. Gabby held the statues. Your dog has been taking these. Oh, sorry, the lady said. He does that. Let me give you some cash for them. She started reaching into her purse. Vincent held up his hand. Don't worry about it. But if you don't mind telling us, how long has your house been on the market? It's the strangest thing, the woman began. We weren't even trying to sell it, but two days ago a guy knocked on our door and made an offer. Vincent sat back in the dirt. Thanks, he told her. He started laughing to himself. The woman gave them a skeptical look and continued down the sidewalk with the dog. Gabby patted Vincent's shoulder. Come on, let's go get cleaned up. She helped him to his feet. When they returned to the brownstone, Vincent buried one of the statues again. This time, he placed it in a flower pot on the stairs where a dog would never find it. He turned to Gabby with weary determination. I know you have a strict deadline, but we still have two days left. I think we can do it. Gabby looked at Vincent. His once immaculate hair was speckled with flecks of dirt. He had brown stains on his knees and butt, but he never looked happier. She smiled. Maybe I'll stay a little longer. I have an idea for a new show. Haven't settled on a title yet, but maybe... Haunted House Sellers? Vincent's eyes widened. You mean... My own series? He asked. Gabby shook her head. Our own series. Vincent hugged her and lifted her off the ground. Deshaun too, Vincent said. Gabby nodded. Deshaun too. They looked at their young cameraman. He was shocked as well. But guys, we didn't figure out, you know, the creepy music. Gabby looked at both of them. Well, what are you doing tonight? The exact origin of the tradition of burying St. Joseph statues is unknown. There is that popular legend about the European nuns, but little to no evidence to show that it actually happened. What we do know is the tradition flourished in the US in the 1990s, fueled by anecdotes of home sellers' miraculous luck with the statues. In Stephen Bin's seminal book on the topic, St. Joseph, My Real Estate Agent, he relates the tale of one home seller who became impatient with St. Joseph. When the man's home didn't sell in the desired amount of time, he shifted the statue from the backyard to the front yard. When that didn't work, he switched it to the side of the house. When his home still didn't sell, he threw St. Joseph in the trash. A few days later, the man reportedly read in his local newspaper that the nearby garbage dump had been sold. This frustrated home seller, as well as the characters in our story, illustrate one of the most important factors in the development of superstitions, attribution errors. In other words, they make incorrect connections between causes and effects. The man's home failed to sell not because the neighborhood was undesirable, the house's roof was old, or myriad other reasons. In his mind, it was absolutely connected to St. Joseph not working. We see this leap of faith, or lapse in logic, 
with other superstitions as well. If we experience good luck, it's because we rubbed a rabbit's foot or picked a four-leaf clover. It's not because of the hundreds of factors, even coincidences, that put us in the right place at the right time. But these superstitions rely on more complex processes than just attribution error. They also prey on another factor in the human psyche, the desire for insurance. American psychologist and superstition expert Stuart Weiss states that many people, even skeptics, go along with magical thinking because it might be cheaper than not doing it. St. Joseph statues can be purchased for a few dollars online. Whether they help sell a home or not is debatable, but does a real estate agent with hundreds of thousands of dollars on the line want to take that chance? So, the next time you're ready to sell your home, perhaps you shouldn't worry about that new coat of paint, curb appeal, or even which real estate agent you choose. Maybe all that matters is a simple plastic statue in the front yard. Just keep an eye out for overzealous dogs. Thanks for listening to Superstitions. We will be back on Wednesday with a new episode. You can find more episodes of Superstitions and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. Until next time, be wary of the things you cannot explain. Superstitions is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Nick Johnson, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Aaron Larson. This episode of Superstitions was written by Adam De Silva, with writing assistance by Andrew Kelleher, fact-checking by Anya Bailey, and research by Brian Petrus. I'm Alastair Murden. <laughs>